around episode 38 of the goldenagehorror.com podcast. This month we're talking about house. You can check out the website www.goldenagehorror.com or stay tuned after the podcast for more information. So Andrew, this week we watched House. Yeah. 1977 Japanese. Not for, not for the first time. Not for the first time. Uh, Japanese film. It's going to kick off our... Uh, undefined our series of undefined length detailing foreign horror movies yeah, before get a different taste little 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 um mix things up a bit yeah because there there was a long string of very samey feeling movies so what do you um well why don't you give us a summary of house uh, okay so the summary of house is there's seven girls like high school girls who go on summer vacation to one of their one of the girls gorgeous's aunt's house they go there things go a little nutty they all get murdered in Ian and then that's the end of the movie well because the aunt is like a um she's dead she's like a ghost who's hot like a who is like haunting the plane the earthly plane because her She's like in love with a betrothed who's never coming back, so she eats unmarried women to stay alive forever. Also, her cat. By sending her cat out to go get them or something. Her cat's magic. That's kind of, that's basically the movie. Um, it's, I mean, yeah, no, that's basically this the movie. movie's kind of bonkers, but when you describe it, it's very straightforward. Yeah, I mean, describe it like that. It is, um, like, it's, it sounds. A bunch of a bunch of girls go to a secluded like house in the woods, mm-hmm. and then all die one by one. So that's I mean that's pretty actually pretty stock um, like horror. Yeah. Um, so does does this movie rate a uh, two minute discussion on whether or not this is a horror movie or not? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it matters. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's not horror, and definitely not the ways that. These movies have been conventionally horror movies. Hmm. It definitely plays with the notion of horror movies. It definitely wears a lot of the skin of horror movies, kind of like you would wear the skin of your descended niece in, a, in an eternal quest to meet your betrothed who's never returning. Uh, I'll take your word for it, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. I was just thinking as you were saying a thing about this um, having a very straightforward plot in a way. Yeah, I was thinking about why movies seem so bonkers, and it's all the um, we should we should explain that it's the reason that it seems strange and bonkers is that the, the it's like the stylistic choices this yeah, movie like, makes it's, it, and some and some textual stuff. Yeah, but, um, like just like compositionally. Yeah, like this movie cuts. Well, first of all, there's no the exposition is. Slim, very slim, so that that adds a certain like, what the fuck sort of it's, atmosphere it's, to it. It's kind of like a weird like dream, like where everything like bounces mm. like very rapidly, and you just kind of you under you have to kind of like implicitly understand what's going on. Which I mean, it's not it's not a very hard movie to follow. Like what exactly is happening? No one ever there's not. I mean, there are like slower parts. But no one ever stops and tells you like there's not a lot of like a quiet moment like here's an exposition dump. Mm. I mean there kind of is because when they're on the train, they're like looking through 
Looking through the old photos, which also makes it look like they're old newsreel kind of thing. Yeah, they well they do like the silent film slash newsreel sort of thing. As an aesthetic to look at old photos, which is that's kind of this movie does a lot. Okay, um, I love House. Yeah. Okay. Like a lot, and because it does so many like weird, cool things constantly that sometimes you don't even realize what it's doing. It, it definitely like I mean, it it jumps. Um, the editing is very um, like staccato. It switches back between different like camera lenses and camera angles, tracking and, <laughs> and, and angles, and and um, it's yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely a pretty wild film. Like 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 just like it puts you in sort of like the. I think it helps you get into the mindset of just like this weird summer vacation. With like seven hyperactive high like at one point, like they're fixing up, like they're braiding one of the girls' hair while the other one's looking at her, and like she's blinking her eyes, and like if you're not like you're like why is the camera like jumping and jutting weirdly like that? And like oh no, because it's looking through her eyes as she's like look like blinking back and forth between her different eyes, hmm. which is just like a weird thing people do sometimes. But to see it sort of represented in film is a kind of a weird jarring like if you're like if you're not sure what's going on you're just like if you're sitting down looking watching this movie expecting to see a movie like you're used to seeing movies it's like what is going on here why is that camera like shunting back and forth weirdly like that yeah yeah but if you like let yourself get into house and just like meet house on its level where it's coming from it all makes sense yeah, I I don't. When the first time we watched this movie, whenever that was a year or two ago, that I, I don't think I even caught the thing about her blinking one eye at a time, and that's why the camera was jumping back and forth. And even this time when we watched it, uh, it took like a good fifteen twenty seconds before I figured I realized what was what they were doing. Yeah, and that movie it's like full of stuff like that. Yeah, where it's just like sudden, just like shifts and like you know when she throws her, the her like. St- to be stepmother's scarf away, it just like dramatically zooms in on it, like falling to the ground. But it doesn't. But it's just like a singular panel of film within a re- within like the similarly within the regularly staged shot. Still, hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it just feels like a very strange movie. Um. Oh, it is a very strange, strange movie. Yeah, and I wonder how much of that though is is cultural, and how much of that is like the surrealistic. Yeah, like I think it's I think it's a combination of the two things. I don't think it's entirely the. Uh... Like I mean, the... it's definitely a strange movie, like like, uh, like on both levels. But I think that um... it's drawn on some conventions that we're just not aware of. Yeah, like like. You know, I don't watch a lot of uh, anime, but I know what I have. Sometimes humor or things like that seem very strange to me. Yeah. And it is a kind of the same sort of thing in this movie. Yeah. like Humor is a thing that I don't, sometimes I think is probably one of the most difficult things that tra- to translate across cultures. Sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll buy I mean, I, that's definitely true. Hmm. 
But uh, so the background of this movie is like my favorite background of a movie, mm-hmm. which is like, I think the production, I think it was Toei was the production company. Toho. Toho. No, Toho. They did the same, I believe that's the same company that does like Godzilla and all those. For some reason I thought that was Toei. But it might be, it's probably Toho. Um, yeah, let me look right at the Wikipedia. It's definitely Toho. Yeah, so like they were, I think they would like, they were not doing well in production. So they like, I want something, we want something different. And he's like, here is something different. I mean, apparently Toho has made like every Japanese movie I've ever heard of. <laughs> so, well, they're probably you know like Universal or yeah, sure, that equivalent. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I knew they did Godzilla, but they also did like all the Kurosawa movies, and uh, I don't know. I'm just Quieten, which is on our list to watch. Many other movies, basically, but yeah. Yes, I think I think the basic like we wanted. To try and shake up the box office, we want a different kind. We want a different movie, and he, this director presented a different movie that the story was provided by his teenage daughter. Well, according to here's here's what the Wikipedia page has to say, and it's it's a little cryptic because they don't really expound upon this. But yeah. following the success of the American film Jaws, a proposition came from the Toho Film Studios for Nobuhiko Obayashi to develop a similar script. Oh, okay. So I don't know. I don't know where the. I mean, I don't get the um, jump from here to draw, from just to this. Uh, but to find inspiration for the story, Obayashi discussed ideas with his preteen daughter, Shigumi Obayashi. Nobuhiko sought her ideas, believing that adults only think about things they understand. Everything else, everything stays on that boring human level, while children can come up with things that can't be explained. Which, you know, does make total sense watching this movie. Yeah, there's... It has a like very like matter of fact logic to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like when you, and I don't think adults are completely exempt from this kind of thinking. But like, I know that when you're the younger you are, especially like you might get, like for example, the irrational fear of a piano um, eating you, eating you maybe. But like, <laughs> just the um, the cover that covers the keys. Yeah, like slamming down and cutting your fingers off or something like that that's i mean so that's the kind of thing i feel like a kid would be coming up with or an adult but but it's more practical like we're a kid because well you know because a piano seems massive mm-hmm. and that thing seems huge and heavy so uh several of chigumi's ideas were included in house such as a reflection in the mirror attacking the viewer a watermelon being pulled out of the well appearing like a human head and a house that eats girls. <laughs> so the last one is kind of the... Uh, the overall conceit. Yeah, so that's, I mean, it's a pretty important idea to have come up with. Oh, other themes suggested... Drew upon her own childhood fears. Pile of futons falling on her that felt like a monster attacking her. A large, loud clock at her grandparents' home. And getting her, fees, her fingers caught up between the piano keys. Oh, so, you know, pretty much all of it. Yeah. So all she, the ghosts die. Yeah. So, but I mean, so I mean... Yeah, you can definitely have... It definitely has sort of a dream-slash-child-imagining uh, sort of feel to the movie. And and I, you know, watching it... Because um, I wasn't really aware of that, that thing about uh, his teenage daughter. I ha- I think I had chalked a lot of that up to, like, a cultural thing. Like, yeah. Just, you know... Or or maybe I, I think I might have... I had read somewhere, and this might not be correct, that this the director... Was sort of a surrealist. I think he was. Like he did. I think prior to this, I remember last time I watched it, like he did some surreal commercial work. Hmm. 
like actually, you know, like ad commercials. Like he had, like this is not his first surreal rodeo. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'm as. Um, I'm not 100 percent on this movie. I can't. I can't tell you why I'm not 100 yeah. percent on this movie. Because it has a lot of stuff that I like in it. Yeah, like it's very, it's very comic, but. Um, I guess maybe it's not horrifying enough, but that's kind of a weak excuse. Yeah, some of the other movies I've trotted out for this I, podcast. Uh, I don't think any of them have been especially horrifying. Well, I think that I think that's just, that's somewhat debatable, but yeah. right. Yeah. Well, I, it's especially watching it the first time. The first time it feels like a weird fever dream mm-hmm. that you emerge from, and it's kind of hard to like nail your opinion down on it because you. You have to invest like so much energy in just watching the movie. That's true. It is, it is exhausting. Like if you don't pay attention to it, like it doesn't keep, it doesn't wait for you to catch up. And it doesn't even really matter as much. No, no, because it, you kind of it's easy to understand through context what happens. Uh, you know, honestly, the things that stuck out the first time were like the guy turning into bananas. Yeah, and the scenes with that guy and Mr. Togo. Mr. Togo. <laughs> like he's. There's like a comic relief character that gets his butt in a bucket. Doesn't yeah? Doesn't actually ever interact with the main plotline aside from the. He just oh, he just like almost comes to rescue the girls. Yeah, I mean he's 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 in that traditional role of like the the outsider who's going to come in and swoop in the last moment and save everyone. But he's I mean he's portrayed as a goofball from the beginning, yeah. and, and instead he just turns into bananas without without getting like almost to the house but not even get not even getting there he gets stopped by the, the melon guy who turns into a skeleton after he's like no watermelons for me only bananas please and then he turns into a skeleton that upsets the watermelon vendor so yeah. much that he staggers backwards starts to smoke and then turns into a skeleton yeah which you know understandable I've been to, I, went, I mean I went to the farmer's market earlier something very similar did happen to me. <laughs> the guy was like watermelon please he's like only bananas for me sir yeah except I think I, I asked for rhubarb when all he had was radishes oh and he's like <laughs> Tanner turned to a skeleton. Mm-hmm. Also, this features, you know, the second dancing skeleton in oh so many movies. Nope, that's not true. The last movie we watched was... Uh, I know, but... I mean, Wax, so. But there's like two... But before that was... Well, when you say the second in oh so many movies. Yeah, so I mean like the past few. Although I infinitely prefer this dancing skeleton. I don't know. The other one seemed a lot more horrifying. But this one was like... It had like the the crazy border going on while he was just like having a great time. So I'm just looking at the reception part of the Wikipedia, entry. and like teens loved it, right? Teens loved this movie. I thought that was the case. Like it was this movie, I believe, made. Yeah, did not expect House to be successful, but the film became a commercial hit, becoming specifically popular with the youth audience, and it was. Um, not really released in the United States till the 2000s. Oh, really? <laughs> um, but the, uh, the reception compares it to... It says the New York Post compared it to Dario Argento and Guy Madden, which I can see, especially the Dario Argento. Yeah, I was actually thinking, like, once the death started racking up, it reminded me a lot... Of Suspiria? Yeah, a lot of Suspiria. And, uh, Just like, you know, like the harsh colored lighting. Yeah, that, that's true. I would say it's not... Um, the design and stuff wasn't as foregrounded as it is in Suspiria. Yeah. But I, I think it's a similar thing. I just don't get this. 
What do you think of this? The Boston Globe gave the film two stars out of four, opining that films by Sam Raimi and Peter Jackson had attempted similar styles with better success. I don't, uh, I don't really buy that one. I don't know. I, I mean, I know they're talking about like Evil Dead and uh, right, but it was the movie Bad Taste or Dead Alive or whatever that is. Uh, yeah, I think it's Dead Alive. Yeah. but I think it has like two different names depending on whether like the New Zealand or the U.S. release, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think those are different movies. One, uh, of, the, one of them is the um, Dead Alive is the zombie monkey one, and Bad Taste is the one about the aliens. Oh, okay. I th- I thought Dead Alive had different. Dead names. Alive does have different names depending on the region. Yeah, I think they both. I think you're right about that, but. I don't. I guess the idea. I think they're going different places, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're very different. I guess stylistically, they're they're kind of like goofball goofball horror movies. Well, evil. Yeah, Evil Dead has a lot of the same kind of camera work too. Yeah, a lot of the, like the zooming and tracking shots. But this Evil Dead is still like feels like Evil Dead One is pretty serious though. Yeah. Like, but it, it, it might be silly, but it's not intentionally silly. But it's still like. Maybe because it was so influential that Evil Dead's camera work feels somewhat more straightforward now. Yeah, I mean, for Evil Dead, they like had to like improvise a lot of the rigs and stuff. Yeah, and, like they built those out out of like they. I mean, they. Yeah, so I, I don't. It is definitely innovative camera work, but I don't think that's. I I think that house is as innovative. Yeah, or like maybe just because house didn't catch on that. As the, or the styles of House didn't catch on as wildly as... Right, because House definitely shoots, like... It It does, you know, some of, like, the kind of, like, dolly shots or whatever. Those, those kind of tracking shots that Evil Dead would. Mm. That you kind of associate with those. It doesn't have as many of, the, like, the smash cuts. When did, Evil Dead 1 must have come out, like, the same year as this movie. It's similar to it around that time, I it think. It has to be the late 70s. Well, I mean, if they're comparing it, like, it's a contemporary. No, Evil Dead is 81. Oh. So it was four years after House. So I, you know, probably wasn't able to even, I'm sure that um, Sam Raimi wasn't able to even see House. No, no. So it's not like there's like a line there, but. Right. And that makes it even a stranger comparison. Yeah. Well, I, I think he, well, the film doesn't say that House was like a takeoff of them. It just says that there are better the, movies in the same style. Yeah. But I just don't, I think just because they're all kind of gonzo doesn't mean yeah. they're all the same. No kind of movie. Yeah, they have like very different like takes. Like House just tries so much more. I think. Yeah, I will say this for House: it does have a, a great, um, maybe great is overstating it, but it does have some thematic depth. It has yeah. the, I mean, especially the Peter Jackson and Sam Raimi movies that the Boston Globe would compare it to, <laughs> are just entirely surface like right they're they're pretty stylish they're cool i mean they're fun movies i I mean evil dead is one of the movies that got me into horror movies in the first place but um there's no like this this movie i'd imagine like a lot of japanese movies that came out since 1944 has a lot to say about world war ii yeah I I think a lot of Japanese cu- culture has a lot yeah. to say about World War Two. Yeah. So like, uh, it's kind of apples and oranges, I guess, comparing. Yeah, to like movies. even if you, even if you're just going from like a pure like camera work perspective. Mm. So um, House does like like you know the part where they're like running down to the phone from upstairs, and it's just that like that long. 
single take shot yeah with a weird frame rate yeah that that feels like still like even though it's like you know what 40 years old it still feels like a weirdly like super modern kind of shot mm. yeah yeah it does I could well it feels like a television shot almost like that would be something they'd use in a television show to like or you know what I you know what actually reminds me of I'm trying to think of what the guy's what the guy's name is Darren Aronofsky okay like uh, one of those black and white movies alright uh, pie, I think it's called. Maybe I mean that would be black and white. I imagine. I think there's a shot. I think there's a lot of shots like that in Pie. I mean, where Dar- the frame and it's like, but it feels like a very televisiony sort of trick where like they take a grainy shot and they sort of like stutter the frames to like give it a to like uh, lower the reality level. Well, I, I mean, I, well, I wouldn't be surprised if Darren Aronofsky knew about this movie. Yeah, he is no. I, just you know surface level i don't think he's a stranger to japanese film considering he you know licensed to rights to perfect blue to use a shot basically shot for shot in requiem for a dream mm, i didn't know that yeah there's um satoshi khan movie he's you know a prominent anime director and there's a movie where like i think it's perfect blue where like there's a scene where like the protagonist is like breaking down in like a bathtub and it's like shot for shot reused and I believe Requiem for a Dream that's cool yeah so I mean so to the point where I think he even licensed the film in the US or something so there could be some sort of crossover there with yeah or it could just be coincidence it could just be coincidence or I could be wrong um yeah I I think it's definitely a movie that's worth watching though as long I mean also I to compare it to like last week this is definitely a movie that I think is it's very comfortably what I think of as a cult movie sure because I I feel like it's very easy to show someone this movie and them to hate it so much yeah oh this movie definitely does not um, for everyone (laughs) it's It's not it's not a crowd pleaser I mean there's nothing wrong with people who just want to go see a movie and just like understand it yeah understand it or just turn their brain off right or just have like things happen in front of them not, not break out into cold sweats but this movie does not let you off that easy like you have to no like the the cast is a bunch of hyperactive teens and expects you to like match their energy yeah and it's not um nothing pleasant is happening either like it's just confusing terrible I mean, things it's, happening it slows down young, ca- young it, girls yeah it slows down occasionally but like when it slows down that's to like a girl you know her face breaking apart and turning into fire. Yeah. This, I actually, the more we talk about it and I thinking about it, I, it does actually start to feel like a giallo to me. And that, um, it seems to be more about the style level is so high. Yeah. And also the, like the unreality is so high that 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 to me is like two of the things that are I mean obviously this is not a giallo but it definitely feels like one I wonder if there's like cross pollination between those two scenes yeah I don't know I think well there was already I feel like the the giallo thing was pretty well established by 1977 yeah so I wonder because I think I think France and Japan have somewhere like as far as like comics go are like the closest like in proximity of influencing one another hmm interesting 
Because you've got like Mobius drawing, like yeah, that's true. Like um, Miyazaki and like Akira designs, and a lot of Miyazaki's like very like his machines. A lot of them look very Euro sci-fi, in that kind of Mobius style. I could definitely see like Europe and Japan, like comics anyway yeah. like and i think having yeah. like a sort of a real intersection because i think france also has that same kind of like comics cafe culture too yeah it does i, I went to france briefly and um there's definitely like when you go to the bookstore the comic book section or the you know the i think they're called albums actually yeah that's the translation are the definitely treated very differently than they are in a bookstore i, I but i wonder if like at the same time because I associate Japanese comics with like you know you know fat big fat like newspaper rags, mm-hmm. but you know as opposed to France, which you know I think of them more as you know like being large books. Yeah, they they tend to be oversized, like what what we now call a graphic novel, but yeah. they they're they're serialized usually, but they're oversized. Um, for viewed more or less like an art kind of mm-hmm. medium. You definitely don't get the the the. Like the American floppy or the the Japanese ones are overstuffed, right? They're like I think so. I just think of them as like you know here's a big fat like you know newspaper stock magazine of like you know twelve different yeah that's how I comics yeah exactly yeah that I think had a brief period brief period of them doing those in the U S yeah there definitely was yeah definitely was I know that there's some people who ended up working for Image I can't think of their names but people who have done comics for Image since then who started in like the uh, Oh, like, um, what's there? Kelly Sue DeConnick, I think, was where started off at Viz doing translation mm, or something? Yep, I think you're right. Yep. I was thinking of some artists, though, that I think yeah. did something. I don't know what the intersection was with, like, Shonen Jump and... Yeah, I don't know. But, as I never really read that stuff, but there's definitely some sort of intersection there. Yeah, because I think that... Because I'm pretty sure... Sh- I'm fairly certain that, like, if you look at comics today, Japan has definitely bled over into the American comics. And I just don't, oh, for sure. I just don't know if America bled back. Mm. I wonder... I think America probably... Um, provided a lot of inspiration initially. Yeah. I mean, I, comics didn't really start necessarily in America, but, like... I think the whole superhero thing and a lot of that stuff right. is kind of American originally yeah. and did sort of migrate around. And obviously, like, Japan put a very distinct spin on it and has taken comic books into places that America wouldn't have. But yeah. I think, uh, I don't know, bleeding, bleed back is the right, like, I don't know what the, what the right. movement I is now, but it, there has been some movement back and forth over right. the last 70 years. Some cross pollination. Yeah. Yeah. I just see like you know modern comics artists posting. Here's my art when I was fourteen. It's all fucking anime. Yeah. Well, it's that's a, I think that's just a product of got what got all of them in the comics. Yeah. Well, I mean, it isn't the case now, but there was. It's much less than a. Actually, I don't even think they have the big manga sections and bookstores anymore. But I think they do. Yeah. I, the I one, the one, the Barnes and Noble I go to around here does not have a big manga section, yeah. but um, it has a shelf. The Borders I went to, I went to like Borders the other day or like last week. Not Borders, or you know Barnes and Noble, yeah. the one, and it was like, I think they were about of comparable size. Maybe the manga section was a little bigger, but that's also by the nature of their publishing style. 
Like they take up a lot of space, but you know, the number of different series that they are might be you know comparable yeah. or lower. Well, the, there was a boom though. There was a big publishing boom for manga. Yeah, it's over now though. Right, it's, it is. It, it, but it happened. I think part of that is the internet. Definitely, but the the boom thing coincided with probably these artists adolescence yeah that's what, I, that's what i was getting and at. i think also at the same time they artists who probably also weren't being catered to by western comics yeah because well western comics were pretty creatively bankrupt at the time I yeah would think. so and it was like it was it was a good convenience like oh we're creatively linked well here's you know you know 20 30 years worth of comics so we can just pluck pluck the good ones out for you mm. yeah yeah there's yeah the the curation was much better because they had a lot whereas if you just went to a, and bought random western comics you because you're just kind of so like you're garbage. getting them as they come out yeah. you don't have like a curated like no one's like looking back and go okay let's here are the best you know western comics of also there's they're very different like models mm. rather than i don't know if um i don't think or i'm not sure if you know, it's creator owned in Japan. It might be company owned. Yeah, well, I I think it's company that, um, owned. It, I think it's a mix. I think I think it's part like partially this and that. But I, there, I know I'm. I shouldn't say I know, but I'm reasonably certain that there's, there's still like the monolithic. Yeah, companies the, that own. You're like Shueisha. Yeah, but I, I think, think there's also people that own their own stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There are definitely like there are Japanese web comics. Yeah, well, that too. <laughs> But even like more of like the arc rum or whatever, like the yeah. Oh yeah, there are definitely like weird underground. Yeah, there's, there's... yeah. I know that we passed something back and forth at one point. That Yoshihiro was... Tatsumi, I believe. Yeah, yeah. He was part of that kind of like underground scene. Hmm. I think it's Yoshihiro. Ta- I know it's Tatsumi. All right, so let's bring it back to house. Let's bring it back. To we're house. way off topic. Yeah, we went from like Italian film to comics. Yeah, it's, I think it ends up at comics a lot. But the um, house, do you have anything else to say about it? Uh, I, will, I will say that this movie passes the Bechdel test with... Like, almost immediately. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's pretty much only women, so... The only man is Mr. Togo. And they don't talk about him more than a few times. Fantasy likes talking about Mr. Togo. Fantasy seems to like Mr. Togo, but... Also, all the, I've shot to mention, none of them have, like, traditional names. They're all kind of, like, named after what their yeah. key trait is. Yeah, the pull, one of the quotes on the back of the Criterion Collection box says that Reverend is like suggesting ideas for how to describe this to someone, and one of the ideas they suggest is a episode of Scooby Doo directed by Mario Bava. Okay, <laughs> which is kind of correct, kind of accurate. Like in the same way that Scooby Doo is like a bunch of teen stereotypes, this movie is also a bunch of teen yeah. girl stereotypes. There's like one is good at music. Yeah, what, what is it? It's gorgeous, melody, melody, sweets, yep. Mac. Max the fat one. Then I guess they're gonna call her fatty. That's kind of mean. She's also not fat at all. No, not really. <laughs> like kung fu, and we were saying about the professor, prof. prof. I think there's one other one too, but uh... no, that, I got seven on my hand. Okay, then you're... I think we spoke at the same time when we were talking about right. sweet and whatever. Mac. Yep. As long as you said you said fantasy too. Yeah, I said fantasy. Okay. Yeah, so there's like you know, seven of them. And they're all. Not... Also, I think I like the style in this movie. What do you mean, like the fashion? I like. I think the fashion's kind of on point in this movie. Aren't they all? Well, I guess they don't all wear. Yeah, like because they all start off in like their uniforms, but then they become very visually distinct from each other mm. as soon as they get to the cabin. 
Yeah, they were on some cool seventies clothes. Yeah, yeah. It's got that. It's got that nice seventies aesthetic. Everything. I like uh, Gorgeous' dad's outfit. That's my. That's my. Favorite. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. That, that nice vest. He's got like a vest over a collared shirt, like a flare with flare-like pants and yeah. a, a big. Um, Dracula collar with a big gold chain, some side. <laughs> he seems like the kind of guy who would wear one of those like um, those like pendants that's like a magnifying glass kind of thing. Yeah, sure. That kind of like the fashion monocle. You mean a jeweler? He seems like a jeweler. Yeah, he seems like a jewelry type of guy. He seems like a kind of old man who wears like he like wearing chains. It's a watch. He's a seller of watches. He used to be able to verify the uh, <laughs> maker. No, he's he's a he's a um, he's a composer. Well, you know what? They actually... Yeah, they, they say he's a film composer. Right, but they, they mention um, Leon and Morricone by name. Yeah, they said that. So, speaking of Italian influences... Sure. Yep. So, they are at least aware of Italians. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that there's at least... Yeah. Some crazy idea that they were influenced by Giallo. Right? I just said it right, right? I don't know. I never I've, said it I've only right. read it, so... <laughs> um. Because those movies are definitely... At least, you know, the Suspiria, the one I've seen, is heavily stylized. Oh, that's like their, that's the, basically the, the... The blueprint? Suspiria's not necessarily the blueprint, but that, this, this, the stylization is, or that is, is essentially of, how you, how you define it as a giallo. Yeah. Um, it's generally, they're really light on plot and really heavy on, like, colors and style and... Yeah, and that, and that describes House in a lot of ways. It does, actually. There's very little plot, I guess, in house. The plot's just kind of like it's like a ghost story. Yeah, and it doesn't actually, like the plot or whatever, doesn't really develop past Jeopardy. You know, like they're they're in trouble and yeah, but just they they make a meal and then like die. Yeah, they all die and no one wins. Mister Togo's bananas. So um, for next week, next month, I should say, I have a couple different. Options. I don't know what if you want to weigh in. Okay. We got Nosferatu the Vampire right. by Herzog, um, and we have uh, we got do Godzilla. Between the two, I kind of would say Nosferatu. Yeah. Okay. Um, Shift countries. I know that. Um, I'm just gonna real quick one. Day. We got a few Japanese movies definitely that we're gonna do. Quieten, Onibaba, Koroneko. Oh, Black Cat. Is that is that a? Um, I think that means Black Cat. Does it? Um, Neko is cat, I think. And I, I also have um, some proto giallos, giallos, and uh, some other movies. I don't know if we're going to watch the original Nosferatu. We may. It's. I think that movie actually still manages to be fairly frightening because of how um, partially because. Well, we can talk about that if we watch it, but. Yeah. Um, that, that's a possibility, but I, I I happen to like the Herzog movie quite a lot too, so I think it'd be fun to watch that one. Yeah. Since we don't really have any reason to watch one before the other. Right. Um, and there, yeah, I, I definitely, I, I I think for our, um, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do any of the, like, Italic, the, like, the famous Giallos, because I'd like to save that for its own sort of block. Okay. But um, I, I picked a few Japanese movies. And a few European movies, and I think there's a good mix of um, movies from the real early days of cinema, yeah, and um, the '60s and '70s, which is like 
when you get like one of my favorite movies is Black Sunday, so we definitely watched that one. Okay, which is another sort of it's an Italian movie, but it's not really a giallo. All right, but it's a Mario Bava movie. But yeah, so next week we'll either do uh, you know if anyone wants to weigh in on uh, Twitter or any of the other ways, social media, social media, Snapchat with suggestions, or uh, if they have a preference between Godzilla and um, Nosferatu the Vampire before um, July. We're recording the next one. Feel free, but uh, we'll probably be planning on doing Nurse Right to the Vampire. It's so worth noting about this after I'd watched it, mm-hmm. and this is clearly like a, a real clear palate cleanser from what we've been all the all the Vincent, mm-hmm. and it made you realize something. So I was thinking back on Vincent Price. Yeah, kind of like we've I've taken some time off of him. Mm-hmm. I watched a movie in between. And I think the main problem and the main good part about Vincent Price movies is Vincent Price. What about Vincent Price is the problem? He's too good. Yeah? Okay, so here's what I mean is that like he's in like some real schlocky movies. Yeah, the movies generally aren't. Even if they're not bad they're generally not very smart yeah but the problem is that Vincent Price just like hard sells everything mm-hmm. so the movies can veer into the point where they're, they're like so terrible they're entertaining because of their pure terribleness but they're also not good movies uh, so he like he keeps them above the, the... He, he keeps them above like the, the laughably terrible threshold but he, he I mean he tries but he doesn't get them into like oh this is an exceptionally fun ride kind of movie yeah only only in some occasions yeah so you know he's not, they can all be dr fives right usually because usually vincent price brings like his a game and the movie brings like their d game that's interesting analysis i don't i don't know if i 100 percent agree but um that's definitely an that's just, thought. That's the way I saw it because I, yeah. I just got like was getting like fatigued with some of those to the point where I was like inventing my own like <laughs> like you know when I was watching House of Wax was like I was inventing my own weird like clearly not there queer subplot because I'm like I need to find something in this movie that I to <laughs> cling on to to make real. But yeah, I, I know what you're saying. In the those movies do tend to like peak pretty hard if it's a price is on screen and yeah. sort of gutter around sense. Whenever when male lead yeah, male, shows up. Generic male lead number one is on screen, it's like yeah. who cares? Because they just can't sell it like Vincent does. Yeah. Um alright. So uh I, I got a Google voice number for voicemails. If anyone wants to leave us a voicemail, oh, we wow. can sit on the show. They're they're free. So it wasn't it wasn't like I put myself out there. Like Vincent Press. Yeah, but only done in Vincent Price voices. So if you want to give us a um, uh, voicemail, we could play on the show slash answer your question on the show slash uh, engage with gracefully the per- accept engage, your, engage with personal brands hashtag gracefully accept Vincent your Price. I think I think I'm gonna keep. Uh, I don't have a personal brand hashtag personal brand. I uh, never has a personal brand, but I think I'd like to keep this as purely a. Fan level discourse. Hashtag fan level. Notice how we're not asking for any money. <laughs> um, Hashtag give me them bucks. Yeah. So the vo- the voicemail is 508-817-3408. So that is 508 Vinci Price. Nope, that is incorrect. 
please. Um, actually, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'll just edit Andrew out of this episode. By the way, <laughs> give me them big bucks. Um, so five, th- five away, spooked. Do you have any more? Do you want to do a couple more? By the way, we barely even talked about that cat. Also, okay, the effects in house are really. I like the effects in house. They're very like seventies effects. Yeah, they're I was, they're primitive. as how I would describe them. Yeah, but like they're just like so like rapid fire, and just or but also like so at the same time kind of like um, non literal. They feel sometimes. What do you mean by non literal? Like when she's getting chewed up by the piano. Mm. Like the effects are what you would say are not good. But the way it's presented is just like so chaotic that it's like it makes up for the fact that they're very primitive effects because it's very like representational. It's, you don't have to worry about oh how she's literally being eaten by a piano. It's about yeah. It's, you have to understand. All you have to get is that she's being eaten by the piano, which they definitely convey with like yeah. lots of like like fast intrusive close-ups on the on the piano as it's going up and down like a jaw. Also, I think this movie has a good soundtrack. It's like weird. Mm. It's kind of weird. It's kind of like a jaunty. It's kind of jaunty. I guess the soundtrack is okay. Yeah. I don't I, know if it crosses over to good. I think I think it I think it matches the tone of the movie. I think I think it definitely like with the between the outfits and the um uh effects it sort of matches up in that way. Yeah, that's, it's very like that's that's how I view a good soundtrack. It's like how does it, how well does it mesh with the movie? It's very forgettable nineteen seventies music. Yeah, um, it's not like a soundtrack. You like I'm gonna download this when I get home and fire up the house soundtrack. But I could, yeah, it's not. A, it's definitely not uh, bad or intrusive. Yeah, and there's some um, legitimately good music cues in here that aren't overpowering but do lend the, lend yeah. to the atmosphere of the movie. Like especially when she's on the piano where she's playing the theme. That part's good. I think there were some good bits with um I don't remember specifically but I believe it was a part when Kung Fu was uh oh, by, this, by oh, herself. Also there she's Kung Fu who <laughs> Yeah, they seem to want to make they it has a Kung Fu, the character Kung Fu the teenage the girl is a Kung Fu master. Yeah, she does a lot of Kung Fu which is like feels very kind of like it feels like old kung fu in a lot of ways. And I will say her death is like the most affecting probably because they sold her her character the hardest, I think. Yeah, she's like the most she's like the hero. She's like yeah. dynamic and action like, oh no I like I watching this, I thought, no oh, wait, I thought Kung Fu lives. Yeah. Nope, does not. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone does. Um Yeah. Alright. So anything else on house before I do my closing um... speech? You can always um, reach out to Andrew on Twitter. He'll discuss Mr. House, Togo, house um, with you ad infinitum. Turns into a stack of bananas. Yeah, we did cover that, actually. His but his... Worth noting, all of his clothes turn into bananas, but his hat doesn't. That's true. That is... What does that mean? The literal definition of worth noting. <laughs> like the part when they take... When she takes the melon and the guy's face is behind it. That part's good. Oh, you know what it is? When she's eating... When... Like the ghost aunt is eating Mac, and she like pops her eyeball, and then she gives a little wink. I love, I love. Sure that part is great. It's like there's a lot of like the the ghost aunt who doesn't really appear in the second half of the movie as much. No, because she, she's at that point she's possessed gorgeous. Right after she possesses gorgeous, 
But the, when they, she's originally, when she's the uh, elderly version of herself, she's very, like, breaks the fourth wall. She's always smirking at the camera. Yeah. And she's in a wheelchair for, like, half of her appearance, and then she just starts walking around. Well, she when she eats Mac, she gets her vitality. Yeah. And uh, I know at the end of the movie, the whole place is, like, full of life again. Mm-hmm. All she can do is eat seven girls. Yeah. I just really like the part when she's, like, pops Pop the eyeball out yeah. and winks. At, um, at fantasy to yeah. unnerve her because fantasy at that point is the only one who believes that you know anything's going wrong yeah it's so it's such like it's so it's such good acting it's like so on point however the fantasy's reaction is like incredibly muted yeah and nonsensical for someone who just saw like a woman eating an eyeball she just looks like confused instead <laughs> of horrified which I thought was kind of weird yeah but I just love that like yeah that's a funny that is a fun bit the, that, that character is actually pretty great um, apparently that's one of the only one of the two um, performers in this movie who had previous experience acting well a lot of them most of the cast is fairly young yeah I guess it's just her and um, Gorgeous were the only two that had previous acting experience yeah. but you know I mean they're all I guess the amateur actors were the other ones is what it yeah. just says in the thing but you know combined with the like the purely frenetic pace of this film plus foreign language it's hard to tell if they're bad actors for the most part, that's that's some of the beauty of foreign languages. Like it masks some of the bad acting because mm. you, you're not quite sure of the intonation. Like, is this bad acting? I don't know. I don't speak the language. You, I yeah. mean, you can tell bad like that's physical true. acting, but that's true. I, I guess, and the there's a cultural thing where you don't know if their reactions are more appropriate for their culture. Yeah, but um, you don't know. Like, is this delivery kind of off kilter? I don't know. I don't. But you know, I have to read it as an American watching a movie. You yeah, know what I mean, I can't. I can't necessarily. I, I am not. I do not possess the tools to evaluate it as a Japanese audience might. Yeah, but it, it's, it doesn't. No, no one feels jarringly poorly acting. No, it's, there's no poor, there's no bad, real bad acting in this movie. I I, I would say that a lot of it does come across as uh, varyingly overacted or underacted. But yeah. Not never in a point. Never to the point where you like. It's care like, or or where it's like jarring. Like, yeah. Feels uncomfortable in the like. Takes you out. Is Mr. Togo like a comedian? He feels like he might be like. They don't. I'm only. My some total research is the being reading the Wikipedia article just now. Can you click on his the actor? I feel like that guy might. He's be not in the. He's not mentioned oh, in the article. Okay. Um, he doesn't have an. He doesn't have a. Um, what am I trying to say? He doesn't have an article. Okay. That's what I mean. He doesn't have an article. He feels like the kind of. He seems like the kind of guy who would be like a comedian who got like a bit role in a movie. Yeah, he feels like. Um, like we're supposed to like, like as the audience we're supposed to know who Mr. Togo is. Feels like Luna O'Connor. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, so like someone like that, or like, I don't know, like Bill Murray in Space Jam or something. Yeah, like a like a comedic actor who's just like oh taking a weird bit role in this movie. There was a Mystery Science Theater of the in the revival that has like a Scottish actor who does a. Um... No, it's not a Scottish movie. It's a uh, not Scottish. It's like Swedish or something. But the, there's a Swedish comedian that's contemporary to the yeah, movie. Yeah, he's in like the first couple ones, right? I think it's the first episode of Mystery yeah. Science Theater. Yeah, I saw that. The I, revival. I saw that one. Yeah. It was the same kind of thing. Yeah. That's, I think that's partially why I thought of that. Thanks for listening to episode 38 of the GoldenAgeHorror.com podcast. You can visit our website for more information, articles, and show notes, www.goldenagehorror.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash allgodlessyear. Voicemail is 508-317-SPOOKS. Sorry? 508-817-3408.
508-817-3408. Follow me on Twitter at The Water Method or Andrew at Pizza Pranks. Andrew's website is www.pizzapranks.com. The theme music is Swan Lake Dub by Dubology. Next month, we're thinking Nosferatu the Vampire. The website, www.goldenagehorror.com. You can actually go to slash podcast.